Hello and welcome to Every Day in Unidea, a podcast that seeks to find light in the depths of humanity and often doesn't. As usual, I'm your host, Lee, and with me, as always, is the man on a journey to find a way to insult every possible identifiable social group in the UK, Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello. Uh, well, just British people in total, not not specific groups, just British people. All right. I'm I'm not sure that's true, but uh, we won't. What do you mean? <laughs> it's like, well, I just don't want to sound like, yeah, that's slightly defamatory. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, Pete, who's a massive racist. <laughs> I think, um, you know, I mean, you know, you don't like the Scotch. You don't like the Northerners. Yeah, that's true. You probably don't you like mean, I don't like Northerners. I like Northerners. <laughs> I chose to live in their kingdom. <laughs> when I say Northern, I mean like the south of the north, not... Not, yeah, not, you're true. That's right. Actually, you're right. You're <laughs> Geordieland. Um, don't 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 really like the people around Brighton, even though you're from Brighton. Yeah, that's true. Not not don't the Welsh. They're okay, but no, I no, no, uh, yeah, that's it. Really, it's just um, about Scottish Cornish people. people. No, it's got, it's, uh, I just hold them in very such low esteem. I don't even think about them. No. <laughs> I'm sure they're great. I've never been to Cornwall actually, and I know it's meant to be beautiful. I think it's quite, quite bad poverty down there, from what I'm told. Um, but, but it's Britain, so you just have to throw a rock and you hit poverty from anywhere, other yeah. than like yeah, Fulham. Or in Kensington, yeah, Fulham. Yeah, yeah probably better. <laughs> Fulham is a bit weird. <laughs> Because there is, there will be quite a lot of poverty in Fulham as well. I suspect. Um, well, I suppose. I mean, even Kensington, there is because if you consider yeah. Grenfell was in Kensington. Uh, yeah, good point. Yeah. I, uh, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I, I I'm, I mean, I've only knowingly met one person from Fulham in my life. It's fascinating, isn't it? I think <laughs> I've only met one person. No, yeah, no, university. But would well, they just I, say they're from London? Wouldn't they really? They'd well, just say, oh, I'm from I, London. Do, actually, I don't know if he was from Fulham. He was a Fulham supporter. And I figured nobody supports Fulham unless you're from Fulham. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yeah, the person with me is someone I was on a date with. Okay. Uh, I sort of had to sort of pretend I knew what, where Fulham was. Oh, no, that actually, yeah. So I think, yeah, they, that, that's what stood out. Because I think they lived, it was like four generations in like one house. Oh, God. Uh, I hadn't gone there or anything. Was um, <laughs> it someone's great grandfather just sitting in the corner? No, it's just like that thing because they said I think they had a I think they had a kid. This is like ten years ago or more. I think they had a kid, and so that so there's like them, the kid, the parents, and maybe a grandparent. Um, and I don't think they were from like a stately manor in mm-hmm. you know Fulham, Chelsea, Kensington area. So I assume it was like, yeah not the best place with like four generations in it. I don't know. Oh, that's quite <laughs> a vague story to uh, begin on. Um, yeah, anyway. it's, it's what, well, my, yeah, it's my, well, my friend Aaron, oh, uh, Aaron again, long time listener. Yep. He, uh, he coined the phrase. I think it's very good. And I still use it, uh, specifically specific to me, which is, uh, instead of an, an, an anecdote, you have a non anecdote. Mm-hmm. So it's like a non anecdote. Uh, that nothing happens, doesn't go anywhere. It's just like a thing that did happen, but it's of no intrigue or interest <laughs> to anyone else. Um, I think you should uh, write uh, to it's the a really good uh, OED it's, and it's see if you can oh. convince them to uh, to add that in. I think that could, like, 
Well, you just basically, I need a profile to, and then to drop it in somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, yeah. So, so that's never going to happen. <laughs> so, yeah, but you, you get we know that, that because tell stories a lot. That sorry, you, when you get people that tell stories, they there are people that are really good at telling stories, and people that are really yeah, bad at telling stories. Me. And the people yeah. that are really bad, one thing that's always noticeable about them is they add in so much extraneous detail to before <laughs> they even get to like the point. And it's sort of like, I don't need to know your friend's name and how you know them. And, yeah. you know, like, what is the point of what you, why you're talking to me? Well, anyway, as I was saying about Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was hoping that and would go somewhere. But I mean, word. I think that this. Yeah, the- well, he made up a word that I think is a pretty good. That's not bad, I must say. No, no, I mean, uh, but you didn't come up with it. And I'm, I'm loathe to praise him uh-huh, I see. Uh, in a public fora in this manner. But, uh, you know, got to give it to him. That is, actually, I, actually, that was something I was thinking. I think I was thinking this at like one in the morning recently, sort of half asleep. I keep this bit. This is becoming a thing. I don't know if you're noticing it. Uh, people are using the phrase to coin a phrase. There's inflation of that phrase use. Everywhere, I and they'll what they'll no. and what they'll do they'll say uh, t- they'll say a thing that's like a cliche mm. and then they'll say to coin a phrase and it's like whoa 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 back <laughs> up that's not that's not coining a phrase that's a fucking regurgitating a cliche uh, but keep an eye out for this listener because um, this is definitely a thing you see it a lot on on like news and sort of pundit discussion show guff. Um, and someone will just say something really mundane about to coin a phrase. I think they're trying to say like as people say, mm-hmm. but they're for some reason saying to coin a phrase. I have um, not noticed this. No. Um, I have well, you've got a very narrow people. media diet of before we came recording. You were talking about the Guardian notifications to your phone. Mm-hmm. I'm a bit more of an expansive mind mm-hmm. um, and try and sort of take in. My meat, yeah, my news diet yes, but, is richer. You have the time to consume <laughs> meat much more well, media. Yeah, as a captain of industry, it's uh, well, at least talk show yes. media. And I mean, I don't watch, I haven't watched the news <laughs> talk for a while. shows. I don't know what you watch. Yeah, I'm watching, I've been, been watching back to back episodes of like Letterman from 1993. No, I'm not well, I can imagine you watching like Good Morning Britain or something, just like getting angry what? at it. Yeah, yeah, you can imagine me up at 6am <laughs> watching a morning news show. What the fuck are you talking about? I don't know, when you say like talk shows and things like that. As a captain of industry, I'm up for hours before that even starts. It's literally on at 6, and that's, there was that thing recently where Piers Morgan was having a pint, because you could have, uh, when the pub's open, uh, and he had a pint on air, and it was like 6.20 in the morning, uh, and I think that would probably kill me. For you, that's probably more normal. Shut but. up. Um, but what, no, but I bet you've done like all-nighters and stuff when you were younger, whereas I was a bottler, and I never did that kind of thing. I remember when I was working I was working in a bar um, at university. But and This uh, better be good after what you said about anecdotes. Come on. Yeah, no, and um, there was a thing in Oxford where they used to – was it May Day or something like that? Where they used to jump off a bridge into the water? Yeah. Posh people. Yes. Um, but the pubs would also open really early in the morning. And I remember finishing work right. on, I guess it must have been a Friday, finishing work at like one in the morning. Didn't close the Extraneous pub until like two or three. Slept at the pub <laughs> because they wanted to open again at six. 
uh, and serve all the people that were out on the piss. Okay. And we ha- literally had people coming in six in the morning, wanting bacon sarnies and pints. Um, and there were the people oh, that had been in like so. all night as well. Yeah, I, th- I think. Well, that's the thing. If they- I think I can get it if it's they've gone through the night. Um, but I've had. To- I remember, yeah, once being in a cafe. I was living in Switzerland, and these two guys, and they're very like together, kempt. And if that's you, you can like definitely that not kempt. use it like that. <laughs> they're kempt. They're both kempt. Um, and yeah, enjoying a beer in the cafe. Yeah, it's probably like ten, eleven in the morning. But I wondered if they were like, you know, one of them could have been going to war, or you know, on a gay cruise. I don't know. Why um, a gay cruise? Yeah. I don't know. It's just two blokes <laughs> having beers together. Yeah, but see, they do in that in Lausanne, France, though. Switzerland. Like, I remember like, being in a like small town in France and in the sort of village square, like 10.30 in the morning, seeing a guy just nursing a... Obviously, not a pint because well, that, yeah. they do smaller measures, but... Um, yeah. Very, very, <laughs> this is very strange. Fucking hell, what a start. Um, but what... Um, uh, no, no, but in Brighton, you see that as well. Um, oh, why? Because they like to think they're yeah, part of the continent. <laughs> I right. This is when well, I've just said that. It's just flashed into. It. I am sure at the age of around twenty-ish, when I went like seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, when I went down to Brighton once uh, for a day, I saw in Burger King you could pay in euros, and I'm sure that's not a dream. If anyone can corroborate, if anyone was in Brighton in the year two thousand two. <laughs> And I went into the Burger King. Could you pay in euros? Was that accepted? Because a big chain like that can get, can like leverage their size to obviously get a good exchange. <laughs> Christ almighty. Just as I'm saying this, I'm thinking, what the fuck is this shit? I can imagine them doing something like well, that in Dover, but not in Brighton. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure because it was like, you know, you get lots of uh, foreign, like, you know, people living there, visitors. This is the heyday of like Blairism and stuff and they were we were probably lots of people assuming we were probably going to enter the euro at this point yeah mm. so it's probably like oh it's just a matter of time at some point over the next few years you know they might have already been thinking yeah burger king might have been one step ahead of the rest and thought you know what how do we get in front of mcdonald's <laughs> we'll accept euros but you know we, we could look we could delve with we well i'll do a you know, uh, fast food chain business early 2000 special business practices, you know, uh, in the early 2000 special side, I guess. Um, and I can only imagine the downloads we'll get on that. Um, because for the main show, the listening numbers, it's a bit like the COVID curve. They sort of went up, hit a peak for the Uncle Stringfellow episode. Now that curve is on its way down. Yeah, so, but I don't know. I mean, like Pete's Ramble is the last one we put up. So, well, don't that doesn't count, does it? Yeah, but that's no, no, no. But so that's seven listeners to that. Mm. I think so. Uh, that is just me talking to myself. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so please, if you can share this, you don't have to be uh, in Burger King <laughs> or anything. Yeah. So I was gonna. I had a. I had like a thing I was gonna ask. I don't know. It's not really a good segue there. If you could go back in time, 
what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Oof. That's... Uh, do, do more drugs. Okay. Um, don't, don't faff about, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, What's that? What's that mean? Str- straighten up and fly, right? Yeah. No, because when I was 20, I was going through a period. Like, so when I was 18, uh, I basically spent a solid year, like literally September to August, where I genuinely cannot remember whether there is a day where I was not either drunk or high. Okay. Um, and then I went sort of mildly teetotal when I was 19 until I was 20. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, like I said, mildly teetotal. I, I was pretty teetotal. I didn't sort of. Well, I was, te- yeah. Um, uh, like I didn't go you out. You can hear actually drinking beer now, so. <laughs> Let's talk about his tea total use. Um, and then I went to university, and um, the first year at university, I was pretty good. I mean, I got high a little bit, had a few very big nights out, um, but I didn't go, I didn't do the sort of typical university thing where I went all out and had a, you know, piss up all the time you know i didn't i wasn't in any societies and um you know like i'd go out and get drunk and but it wouldn't be like a horrendous you know obviously i'm you know not a rugby player or anything so you know there was no (laughs) team drinking thing going on um uh but i reckon i should have probably dabbled a little bit more of it okay should join the rugby team (laughs) Got got battered. Yeah. This is what you'd say to the twenty year old yourself. If you go back, you'd go. You wouldn't say like God. Just twenty nine. If you get to twenty nineteen, yeah. If you don't die, and there's not some weird paradox. Just go all like hell for leather in twenty nineteen because that's the last year of normality. You're like, I'd go back and tell them to do more drugs. Yes. You wouldn't say like, oh, you know, like here's every FA Cup winner for the next twenty years. Go and make some money. You'd be like, yeah. Do more, you know, Scooby snacks. <laughs> Bye. It's like that South Park, like the last one I think I watched 20 years ago, whatever. It's like, oh, wait. God so, okay. So, like, ask, are you, you know? genuinely asking about like passing on information or passing on advice? Because those are different things. Well, I mean, even if it's advice, that is fairly shallow advice, I would suggest. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, like. But maybe the, you were just building up ahead of steam. Yeah, know, no, I mean, there would be sort of do more drugs, but also be more concerned about your mental health. Okay. Um, so, we, well, so on that, obviously I, well, not obvious, well, <laughs> I say that, probably obviously, I I uh, was a bit, as Partridge says in an episode, clinically fed up mm. whilst at university. And I, we, Lee and I were in the same year, dear listener, I'm now talking to listener, but you can, you know, do your own thing. <laughs> and we were in the same year, but then I finished, I was there for like an extra semester because uh, I went mental. Uh, and then I went unmental. Mental is a bad word, actually, when it's used generally, but I, I've taken that term back because I do actually really like it as a word. And I think I can use it because of, you know, having had a couple of breakdowns. 
and you know, I'm allowed to say mental. Um, uh, if that's the least that comes out of it. Um, but but you didn't have anything like that, or maybe you did, or but you're just better at kind of. No, I'm um, in my final year. I was going to the counselor at the university. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> this is the problem with men. Actually, I'd have to say just quick, quickly is that it takes like. 10, 11, 12, 13 years to be able to say this stuff yeah. to each other yeah. <laughs> whereas at the time, but maybe you did with closer friends at the time, I don't nope. know. But it is a real problem where you just don't you can't talk about it until there's some weird like statute of limitations where past where you sort of think, oh, if I say it to someone, people won't take the piss. Yeah. But, you know, probably it's also because you've gone through it, so you're not scared of it as you were then, you know. No, I mean like at the um, time I didn't tell anybody I was going. Um... And we all knew. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, but no, because, you know, I mean, I was I was having a shit time in um, my final... I can't remember if it was before the final semester, if it was the first semester of the final year or the final semester. Mm. Um, but no, I was going for... I went for about two months, I think. Two, three months. Yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah. Um, I think I did as well. Uh, but the, I remember there's a really strange woman who was like, I remember I, could, I would always take like a bottle of water with me or something. And she'd be like, oh, you know, you always bring this bottle of water. It's a bit like a safety blanket, isn't it? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, okay, let's say that's even on that logic, which is a bit weird thing to say, fine. Why would you say that? It's very like a bit patronizing yeah. to like a 20-year-old, 21-year-old man who's, you know, young, but I mean, you know, and then something else like along those lines. And it was, and I remember sort of best emailing the service being like, like she's really weird i want someone else and i think they were like no and then i left anyway and saw a really lovely counselor this this so there's a bit of this where uh you know obviously every everyone thinks yeah new labor was horrific okay this is a segue um (laughs) (laughs) this is gonna be the the, the gordon brown special now and no so obviously new labor's awful and but as a sort of yeah, white middle class background sort of person. It wasn't as awful as it could have been if I was like an asylum seeker and that they treated horrifically and that kind of thing. But there are also some things that you really look back now and think that the the twenty four year olds who see the current situation as normality, but also look back on those times and go, "Oh, it was like a Blairite dystopia." So I used to. So when I dropped out of uni and had like bad mental health stuff. I was able to see a therapist three times a week in person, open-ended. Yeah. Mm. And I wasn't, I was like an out, this is just like an hour obsession. Uh, And after like two months, it worked so quickly. I was like back in uni. Um, Imagine that now. So now you get CBT after four months of waiting over the phone. Um, And there is this thing of like, think of how many people in that situation their lives turned out different. I mean, look at me now, what I could have been. <laughs> no, um, no, there are people who would have now if had that situation who may have just totally fallen apart because they've got no help whatsoever. Yeah. And there is this thing of how, you know, square in a circle of like all the horrific things, yeah, the foreign policy stuff, the ASBO stuff, the authoritarianism, the anti-immigrant stuff of like that government with certain things where, yeah, I guess if you're sort of within the accepted bounds of the sort of good citizen and like the not othered by the sort of, you know, the government or whatever, yeah. 
that's fair, but it but there was money sloshing around to some extent, and in terms of like the NHS, where it's sort of eight, nine, ten percent of GDP instead of like one, two, three, four percent, and that made a material difference to lots of people's lives. But obviously, and, and and you know you can have that without bombing people on the other side of the world. Uh, but I sometimes see it as a bit weird and like slight. Yeah, I don't know, uh, and I always wonder what it must be like actually when I. I do notice this when I talk to people in their early to mid thirties and up who have actually lived something else. When when you talk to people like thirty and down and you think, Wow man, there's been austerity since they were like eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. So then that might, that's really weird yeah. to think of. Yeah. Like I think it's even possibly even worse for me or us or whatever in the sense of because we're like, Man, I remember when you could like see a doctor for more than ten minutes. <laughs> And when you could get therapy, no, I mean seriously, if you if you're seeing a doctor and you see them about two things, you have to book two separate appointments now. They say, look, we can't. You've got ten minutes to talk about one thing. If you want to come back another time, you have to talk about the other thing. Yeah. It, like it's it's that rationed. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's a bit of a digression, but yeah, mental health doesn't exist in an individual experience of it. It's a hard, it's obviously a social phenomena. And pathology, yeah. and I, I always say, if I meet people who are contented and happy, or believe themselves to be so, in this in a highly pathological society as our own, I really worry about those people. And I'm not being flippant at all. And when I meet people who are suffering mental health problems, and they live in a sick society, I do think, well, at least they're having a completely rational reaction, physiological, psychological reaction to living in a pretty horrific social environment, even if they're not their own personal material circumstances aren't that bad, to live in a world where it's like, yeah, okay, I've got probably 3,000 nuclear warheads at my head, uh, you know, pointing at my city any given time. There's wars here, there's this there. I can see very poor people on the street who can't eat and all this kind of thing. That can only send you a bit mad. Yeah. Uh, and that's why, you know, people are a bit weird. I would suggest, but uh, so if you ever meet a happy person, just get the hell away from them because they're either an idiot or uh, just willfully ignorant. Uh, and you know that's fine. You know you could be plugged into the matrix, whatever. But yeah, I'm not sure what point I'm trying to make. But yeah, it's disturbing. What? Well, no, so, I think that like I think that in terms of. Like one of the things that I find, like I find it occasionally, like when I think it, I I'm, don't like to say it very often um, because I, I do think it sounds quite flippant is that, or like if I say it when people, people hear it and they don't think I'm actually being serious is that as a sort of relatively anti-capitalist, um, a mild occasional intellectual, um, when I think about like the things that stress me out on a sort of day-to-day basis, I do genuinely think about like the nature of work and like why work is um, like why people take work so seriously, why this sort of the idea that we must like completely adhere to this sort of capitalist mode of society, uh, it, the stress that it puts people under for what, you know, and sort of like when, when people check their emails after hours and things like that. And we kind of t- sort of talked about it a little bit before when you sort of like, oh, you know, it's time in the bank. It's sort of this idea that 
no, no, my job is so important. I have to constantly be thinking about it. Like, no, unless you're working on sort of frontline, like genuine frontline services, like in a hospital or something like that, then yeah. it's quite important. But, you know, if I think about the jobs that I've done in the last five, six years, none of them are important enough for me to think about outside of yeah, like yeah. The, the time that I'm actually in the office. Um, and you'll have colleagues who will be yeah, no, for sure. But also, you know, when you get, you think like when people like go on holiday or something and they get stressed out, like, Oh, you know, like when I get back, I'm going to have all these emails yeah, and things yeah. like that. You sort of think like, well, why you, <laughs> why are you getting stressed out about this? Like it, you know, companies don't sort of, but you know, rise and fall on whether someone's in the office for two weeks or not. Um, mm. It's, it's not, and and that's what I found like quite, quite sort of dis- disturbing in a way is that you just kind of get this idea that, you know, we, we literally have this like mentality where, you know, it's like constantly working, 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 you know, like, you know, having family, having kids and stuff like that. And then sort of giving them the this idea that, you know, you need to get a good job, you need to go and like, contribute to society, you know, you need to like contribute to the gross domestic product. Like it, and, and you know, and that can be reflected in the way, you know, we, we've, countries across the world have looked at how to deal with um, the, the coronavirus stuff is that the economy is so important. Um, and someone said to me, uh, sorry, not someone said to me, I read this in a book, uh, years ago, um, the 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 philosophy of capitalism is uh, is constant growth, um, and you know, in, in the face of all else, and that is essentially the philosophy of cancer. It's you know, constantly yeah, growing sure. and 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 consuming and and essentially destroying the host. You know, I think it's a it's an apt metaphor. Well, it's like Agent Smith in the Matrix who says. You know, I've kind of tried to classify your species. He said, I, and I, I came up against him because all he said, you're not mammals because every mammal on the planet creates a balance of its environment that it can stay within the limits of that environment. But there is one species or you know group that doesn't do that, and that is viruses, uh, which is a bit of a you know a grim, nihilistic <laughs> view of humanity, mm. like misanthropic view of humanity. But it is quite you, you know, and you do wonder because you can say, well, that's not human nature to be to like vociferously drive down the natural resources mm. and be so rapacious. Rapacious is that what? Yes. Uh, as we are, it's the it's the social system, and it's like, well, the social system is a you know product of humanity. It's probably one of many possible you know uh, paths we could have gone down. We won't know the alternatives that were, you know, possible, um, but it is fairly disturbing. Um, yeah, but you can see that in, you know, like if, if you know, we've done sort of COVID and pubs and stuff before. Oh no, that's the last <laughs> episode. Um, you know, I mean, we just just in up, the right? last in the last you know couple of days, where um, the the idea that. There, there were spikes in in parts of the north of England, so you know people were told that they couldn't go and see their families and their friends. However, they could still go to the pub. You know, that's the sort of which. But that's the stat. Yeah, I mean, that's standard. Like everything gets reduced. 
you know, uh, the price of everything, the value of nothing. So Eid means nothing because you can't really put a, a monetary value on it. Mm. So if people go and feel the warm glow of like family interaction and drawing on their faith and that kind of communal spiritual joy, what you can't measure that. It can't be turned into like an economic metric. I'm sure there's someone, there's some very clever kids out there trying to do it in some bank somewhere or whatever. Uh, but thus far, they haven't been able to monetize that. Um, although I'm sure there are some ways of monetizing, like Christmas. I mean, you can monetize mm. <laughs> holy festivals, but it is not. Yeah, like it's of no monetary value in general. So it's like, well, we'll have all the. I mean, it does boil down to this: we'll have all the like white people go to the <laughs> fucking pubs, and I'm sure there's people who are celebrating Eid, and we'll have all the Christians or whatever. Yeah, people just don't care about Eid or whatever. Go to the go to the pubs um, and the people who are celebrating Eid just can't. I mean, it's, it's so brazenly weird uh, that you, it, that like, I can't even compute. Um, Cause what it, there's this, this whole, this whole thing of like, they're trying to infer. So if you listen to like right wing talk radio, which is always, I do implore left-wing people to do that. Cause it's, it's very important. And it really helps you. Cause I'll talk to lefties, fellow lefties, who just cannot understand the thinking of people who don't think like them. Mm. You're like, yeah, but when did you last listen to their propaganda or, uh, or, or the people who have the propaganda, you know, living in their head rent free every day and it's just common sense for. So the current push is to sort of, to different varying degrees of obviousness is to be like, well, certain communities are spreading coronavirus yeah, mm. and the inference is obviously the thing with like Manchester that would be brown people, Muslims. Yeah, and when you've got you know three or something decades of constantly putting the boot into like Muslim people, and you know it's just three thoughts away for a lot of people that like Muslim terrorists, Muslim terrorists after like the war on terror, it's quite easy to do. And so you have the outriders on the right who say these like unpleasant things, and then you'll have like. The government would be like, oh no 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 it's they look like good guys because uh they so it's nothing to do with the muslim community but then you've put it in people's heads mm, yeah and and where when you've got okay there's it's like uh, in vietnam it's not white christians and they've had one death yeah yeah so, so what's the reasoning there then <laughs> like you know you've got lots of deaths all like, like a, a hugely high death rate in america but it's generally lots of white people and a minority, yeah, minority communities. But you know, percentage-wise, very small um, compared to the white community uh, or population or whatever. Cuba, barely any deaths. It's not all, so, yeah. It, it's different. Another group again. It's just you know, the the a state that either doesn't try or when it does can't after sort of demobilizing all of its capacity over the last 30 years. And it is quite disturbing now that, yeah, we're, we're having uh, bloody, you know, ethnic minorities being scapegoat. And you'll look at, we've discussed it already, but, you know, not just us, but, you know, on the show. And then there's pictures of Brighton packed full of fucking people. No one gives a shit. Yeah, yeah and Julia Hartley Brewer and nick ferrari and all that they're not there's not an hour talking about it on the radio um on their shows uh because they you know obviously white people in britain can do what the fuck they want 
but if you're not defined as that you're constantly having to sort of prove that you're not a, a vector of disease or terrorism or no. whatever else and you know it I now feel in in the last like in on reflection of all this in recent months, I am starting to come to the feeling that we've passed the point of no return, which I don't think I've had for, like before. To, I mean, I've had like points where I think, man, everything is completely fucked in a way that I haven't thought it would get to at some point. But now I'm starting to think, okay, we are in that we're on a track now that is going towards like the American way of doing things, yeah. but yeah, a bit behind. But I can't. Uh, there's nothing to me that makes me think, "Oh, yeah, I can really see us breaking away from that." And I think that's global in a sense. Like we're we're now on a like civilizational cul-de-sac, <laughs> uh, and and the, and we're probably going to be stuck in it. And, and you know, the main one being ecological destruction, where it's where you just can't back out of it because there is now a sort of thread where you just yeah, you know, like have to follow to its full culmination. Uh, you know, it might be a computer simulation that we're all living in, and this is one of the one of the kind of I don't know programs that's being run. It's like we've run it six hundred times or seven thousand times, and it always ends up like this. Let's do it again, but change something and <laughs> see what happens. Well, I mean, the- anyway, yeah, mental health. It's but- people should talk about it more. <laughs> well, no, okay, we'll, we'll come back to that in a second. But I was going to just say that I think that the point. Like yesterday, so the, you know the pictures in Manchester, where which you know you can't go see your family, but you can go down a pub, and the pubs are packed, and you know the, you can say that there's social distancing happening, but there's really not, and I think that there is this idea that while yes, I mean you, I mean I, I I do take your point that particularly because it was Eid. Um, that there was this idea that you know multi generational households and people coming together and things like that. And someone I saw someone say that it's basically like what they did was the equivalent of saying on Christmas Eve you can't go around your family's yeah, house, which they won't do. Yeah, of course, no not. matter how bad it gets, yeah. they won't do that. Yeah. You know. Um, so I think that yeah, like there is this idea that we need someone to blame, and it's convenient because there will be like this, uh, as you said, there's no economic driver for people, you know, having this sort of cultural and particularly because, you know, they're Muslim, so they're not going down a pub anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where are they spending their money? Yeah. Like at the moment, if you can't go to pubs and st- I mean, t- today, actually the scheme comes in where, um, as the, uh, virus is kicking up a notch currently, it hasn't, it's not, exponential growth but it is growing again uh the numbers in the uk today the government scheme for vouchers to eat out is coming into force they're not they're not like put that on pause so you know you get what's it half off or whatever um like a meal out um and you're just like again you know it's the thing of just like well uh they you know they just need you know what what What's an economy if at the end of it, it's like a lot of like a mountain of corpses? <laughs> well, I mean, and, but- that, and that's that there will be places where there are mountains of corpses, but we, the media under emergency laws and the other, you know, in recent months, which I'm not sure has been overturned yet. I don't know. And I'm still quite surprised actually that, uh, cause Corbyn was leader when they brought those laws in and he waved them through for, on labor. Yeah. He, he couldn't have stopped them because he's opposition yeah. with 80 down yeah. the toys, but. 
I was quite surprised there was not really much change to that, and I don't know if they've ended now. But I mean, I haven't, still haven't seen any footage from inside of British hos- an English hospital. I've seen no nothing of morgues and things. Uh, if you had excess mortality higher than anywhere in Europe, I'm yet to see a fucking body bag. But I've seen those things in yeah New York, Spain, France, whatever else, yeah. and yeah on our news. And yeah, there would have been cop yeah mountains of corpses in places uh, which you know I don't know how to. So it's kind of it all sounds a bit because. Our experience of the world is so highly managed, like you know the you know what we see and hear that you can go on sort of thinking like things are normal. So you can check the, you can open up your phone or your computer and look at the Guardian. You, you can sort of think, oh look, those numbers are terrible. Like back in March or April, and until the you know when the lockdown came in, you can look out the window and go, man, this is weird because everything's there's no one around. But, you know, you're not seeing dead people. You're not see- hearing dead people. You're not seeing inside hostels. You're not seeing pictures of people unable to breathe. You had to go on social media to see those kinds of things. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, the government is now seen as quite inc- incompetent and the same for Boris Johnson, whose person ratings are going down. But I wonder what the extent of those negative uh, opinions of him and the government would be if we'd have seen the full gamut of the... Uh, the results of government inaction um, because, I mean, the public have had pretty much everything hidden from them apart from just like brute numbers, which, you know, when you read numbers about a famine somewhere, another part of the world or whatever, or, you know, a load of people shot in a city the other side of the country, you kind of go, oh, God, it's horrible, it's awful, but you can't, that's not how humans process things. They don't go like, oh, look at those numbers on the page, isn't it bad? I can feel it in my heart, the awfulness. And so, you know, it's uh, people aren't even even given the opportunity to really sense um, on a visceral level what is happening in their society, in the, in the country around them, in the communities around them. Yeah. I mean, you know, how many people have died in the areas around me or, or you know, areas of other people where you live, whatever. Um and you don't see or read about here that sort of struggles. It sort of comes out after the fact, but it's quite weird to think of if there's a sort of like, yeah, I don't know how everything's kind of hermetically sealed off from each other. I don't know, sort of rambling, but yeah. It's- well, I mean, I think that, you know, the, the way, the way people are is very managed by what's going on immediately around them. And so, if they're not yeah, seeing, which is um, yeah, sure, uh, seeing all the, the the you know, like you said, the body bags and things like that. But also, people, I think, people are willfully ignorant. I mean, it, you know, when things are difficult, you know, going back to what we're talking about, like in terms of how sort of general economics can affect your your mental health. Um, I think if people are sort of more concerned about whether they're going to be able to afford their rent and you know, the next mm. meal and things like that, then there are, the, those are the bigger things to worry about than perhaps how many people are actually dying on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, there is a thing of like, I think lots of people here were very scared when they were seeing images coming out of like Italy, for example, that was having their big explosion of cases and deaths. Mm like a month or so before we really got it yeah. or like three weeks. We, we had a lag of like three to four weeks behind them. 
And people, when they saw that, I think were like genuinely getting terrified. Yeah. And then as it happened here, it was hidden away. And then, and then that I think changed a bit and that we knew it was happening, but we'd stopped seeing anything because then it calmed down in Italy. So we stopped seeing stuff from Italy because it was not novel and new to like, and a sensational, which is a horrible word, but that's kind of how media and TV and things work, even if it's news. Um, and so then it just became the clapping. Obviously, Boris Johnson, him getting ill personally, kind of, you know, had a certain effect. Um, but yeah, no, no. So I think people can be, you don't have to be nearby. Like you can look at Italians and Spanish people and think, fuck, you know, this is awful. And then obviously in your mind you're thinking, God, what does this mean when it comes to my community or to me? But, you know, you can, but you have to sort of see something. Um, and I think that would be the case for lots of things. So, for example, taking out of this, um, we all used to think possibly politicians were in it, like grifters in it for themselves and didn't give a fuck about the public. And th- and you kind of had this underlying sense that politicians got into politics for their own career, but it had to take the expenses scandal for people to go, fucking hell, they literally don't give a shit about yeah. us and take the piss out of us. Yeah. And steal from us, yeah. But it had to, it took a thing like a quite a very sort of real, not kind of this ephemeral feeling of like, I mean, you know, it's when people vote for Brexit, they vote for Farage. So you get this, you get this thing of like, yeah, so it's this, yeah, stupid answer to a visceral gut instinct that I'm be- getting fucked over. And I've always respected the gut instinct, but obviously not been happy about <laughs> how web gets channeled. Um, and it, you know, it does. So, you know, you have to see the results of the government incompetence and not giving a shit, i.e., what happened in like March and April. Oh. But they're, they're literally just sending carers around. I mean, that's why those excess deaths were insane because they're sending carers from care home to care home, oh. just killing people off. Like, and they, you know, just that was it. Um, and then pe- it, that, it took that for people to go, oh, wow, okay, this is really insane. Um, and I don't know what it takes, you know, if people, it's funny, yeah, you have people just go their whole lives like living in shitty housing. You, know, you bought up housing, paying an arm and leg for it and and never sit down and consider, and I, I don't blame people for it at all. I'm just saying, and because and, they just not had the same, for some reason, interest that I had in it or the ability, the time and the education to be taught about it or whatever, um, but not think, is this wrong? Is this weird? Um, you know, they might just think my landlord, my specific landlord's an arsehole, but they won't sort of connect the dots to the wider thing. And so, like, again, a Grenfell has to happen, and then people maybe go, "Wow, fucking hell! There's some, there's a thing going on here." As you know, so, but obviously, you know, it's a load of quite poor people who died, so then it just got swept away. Yeah. But it's like the result, a concrete result of the policies and the thing you already knew was happening. And I'm not talking about us who are like interested in politics anyway, and we kind of know it and moan about it all the time, but people are like, yeah, the world is unfair. But a lot of people just go, well, the world was always unfair. It always will be. And that's how like humanity and society exists. And, And that's, and then, but to see the real, I don't know, the more egregious, forms of it like the results probably is what it takes to get people to really think wow what you know for a bit and then they stop uh, maybe if there's and and this is the failing of the left is that 
there's no left there to scoop the people up and say and shepherd them to go yeah, yeah don't now yes awful things happen let's not blame muslims celebrating eid let's blame a completely incompetent government um oh yeah yeah there's this stuff going on like in the middle east but let, let's not blame the specific groups or whatever for terrorism and stuff let's blame foreign policy you know and all, you know it's always and the left's just you know too, so weak that all these things can happen so and it, and it sort of shows yeah just how pathetic the left has been well it's crushed oh. in this country oh. And there's no working class consciousness where people would have in the past gone, oh, yeah, it's all shit. And that's when you're in somewhere like Sheffield, for example, everyone will say those things from whatever age. They're 20 and they're 70 and they'll go, the Tories are fucking cunts and they'll fuck this mm. up for everything because they kind of, it's so distilled from top to bottom yeah. as like an organic process and all your parents said that and the grandparents and your community knows it because they saw it and they felt it. Uh, but in other places you just don't have that and so people are like oh yeah it's like and it's like the weather oh a crisis has happened in something it's like past it's a it's a, it's a shit thing an event it's like a shitty rainy day then good things happen or nothing happens it's very weird so people just see it as like natural phenomena but do you think like so for example at the moment you know you can see um if you if you look at the states where donald trump has you know, he's got like completely crashing. Like I thought, I was fully expecting him to be reelected. Now I'm. Yeah, I, I think I'm, now I'm not sure. I think that there is a a distinct possibility that he may have fucked things up badly enough for him not to be like <laughs> reelected. I don't know. I mean, you, you could never put it past Americans to be completely shit at doing a sensible thing. But um, what I what I kind of see is that there is a it's not the progressive left that I necessarily subscribe to, but it is a more progressive left. Not not the Democratic Party. I mean, it's sort of from a, a sensible uh, left position um, that they are becoming more and more relevant and prominent within society as a whole. Um, okay. And I think that and I was actually thinking about this today is that if, you know, if there are going to be five more years or four, four, and, four and a, almost four, four and a bit years left of the Tory government and they are fucking things up as badly as they are at the moment, is there a possibility that, you know, that you could see a resurgence of that sensible sort of left wing position that isn't necessarily the Keir Starmer position that, you know, that there is the, like if you look at the the failure of the Corbyn project, was it too much too soon? And was that that like there wasn't the sort of the right circumstances for society to realize the position that how bad the position they are actually in is and how much of a benefit moving to the left would actually be? I mean, I think, well, what I think of that as a metaphor is like if you gave a starving man a four-course meal after they haven't eaten properly for weeks, it'll probably kill them. <laughs> no, 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 I don't mean that as a joke. So it'll make them more ill. Yeah, yeah no, no. do I more know, harm than yeah. good. And so what I would say, you have five years to, you know, completely turn around three or four decades of just crushed working class consciousness that's the key thing it's not so much like the policies and the you know uh internal machinations of the labor party or whatever it's more this jet class consciousness and that's that is thatcher's victory and that just completely crushing mm. that and so that 
someone who is being shat on by the system thinks they are they equate their well-being and their livelihood with the needs of the system yeah Mm. and that that's the one thing i don't know how you break people out of that now um and it seems like what you can just keep doing because of that you can just keep doing one egregious policy after the other or fuck up and people just keep voting in i mean I don't like you to use it as an analogy because I think it is a bit, you know, it's not great because of, um, I mean, I don't, I don't mean it to be flippant, but it is like an abusive relationship. Yeah. And, um, where of a sort of strange codependency now where it's like, if you've been told for, if you've been raised to think that the commons, like, like, you know, reality is based around a common sense that, you know, we don't have to go into the sorts of things where it's like, you know, you own a house, that yeah, you, know, you should do that, or you're a failure, or like Thatcher. You know, every time you take someone who takes the bus, they are a failure. She said that. You know, instead of having a car and all these kinds of things. If you've had that drummed into you for your your entire life, and there'll be people who aren't, or to some extent, and there's sort of natural ways of going against that. And again, yeah, if you live in Durham, you probably haven't had that knocked into you quite so much. But still, you know, generally in the culture, um. There's not really a way of escaping that for go. So where do you go if you go? Wow, everything's. If you do, you know, sit and think, okay, everything's a bit fucked and shit. But how do you articulate that without going? Wow, every I have to accept that everything I've thought and every thought I've had about politics and my natural inclination towards it. Your natural in inverted commas, but obviously it's ideology inclination towards it is is a load of bullshit that's been sold to me and to sort of keep me down and crush me that is you you can't those two things can't be lined up and you're always going to have some kind of cognitive dissonance that goes oh well you know yeah we're in this position because of whichever fucking ethnic minority Mm. or uh things are terrible for women because of trans people now Mm. and Whatever, yeah, that, and that's why there's so much money and time and effort poured into this by like Turning Point UK and you know Coke Brothers and Spiked and fucking Talk Radio, uh, Talk Radio, which is an actual station. It's not just a you know, <laughs> thing. Yeah, Talk Radio where uh, Murdoch, like, where it's like so much time and money to like, let, okay, we've found the someone with a Northern a Geordie. He's gonna be, and he's gonna go on every fucking news show week after week saying like why your life is shit it's not because of yeah the inequalities of capitalism um it's because of some culture war bullshit and it's it's so boring and i i wondered when we would get to this point i.e what's been going on in america for like 20 30 years and it's taken this long for the right in britain to realize that so like obviously thatcher it was like economic warfare sort of political economic now it's the culture war stuff. Yeah. I mean, that was happening then as well, but in a different way. Uh, and it's taken this long because you know, they realized this, the Republicans in the 90s in America, so it's quite strange because you had all those connections and the sort of back and forth and the think tanks or whatever, that, yeah, how do you divide and rule people? Uh, yeah, divide and conquer. You, like, yeah, you divide people on all kinds of total bullshit, you know? Um, you, you're and that, sorry, yeah. you, sorry, you cut out on my end. Um, oh shit! Never mind. Um, well, wonder if you'll be able to do a bit of what's it on. That. I will try and do a bit of what's it on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> won't go too technical. <laughs> but they can do some what's it on that. Um, 
No, I mean, obviously, I imagine it was still recording on your end, so it should be fine. It was very, very thorough. Well, I'll just have to learn about it when (laughs) I do the edit. Uh, On that note, is there any any pornographic content you want to uh, highlight this week, or or shall we leave that for another time? Pornographic? Yeah. I didn't get to tell my bank anecdote. Your bank anecdote? (sighs) Yeah. Okay. I think I sort of vaguely mentioned you, and it could be an anecdote. (laughs) No, I said, oh, I should talk about this. Um, it's just, it's about 10 years ago. Okay. Well, maybe less actually. It's probably about seven or something where I kept getting phone calls from. This is like completely got nothing to do with anything we talked about. Um, I was getting phone calls from that West constantly asking me to uh, do some sort of survey. And I thought this was a national line. Mm. So I was just like, fuck this. They kept ringing to what? And I answered once and um, played hardcore pornography down the, down the line. Ah uh-huh, yes, yeah. Hardcore pornography. Yeah. Sorry, I'm trying to some pornography down the line, and didn't think much else about it. <laughs> Hang up, and then I went into my bank some point a few weeks later or something, and I said, and I did, you know, I was going to say did my business in the bank. <laughs> That'd be horrific. No, I did did some, you know, a financial transaction in the bank, um, and I said, oh, I just got to point out. I keep getting these phone calls from that West trying to get me to do, you know, whatever, some sort of thing. And and I was, and I was, I was like, it's really annoying me. And I clicked that I think the woman clicked, oh, my God, this is the poor man. <laughs> and he's basically come and admitted it because who else is going to get really annoyed enough? Yeah, because it – and I was like, hang on. And it, like, I it, the penny dropped and I sort of went, you know, it's like when that, all the blood rushes, like, <laughs> like, to your feet or whatever. You're like, oh, my God. And I think she went off to go out the back. I was like, oh, Christ, this is going to be like <laughs> awful. And I realized I was like, man, it's my bank. It's my actual branch that has been calling Oof. me. It's not like a, just a national call center thing. It's all automated, which is what I'd assumed. So uh had to leave NetWest. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. No, I can't, I can't remember what happened. I think they just they couldn't say anything. They could be like, oh, you've been playing hardcore pornography <laughs> down the line to us. Um and, I, and, yeah, I had to get the heck out of there. Um, <laughs> luckily, you know, a few years down the line, racked up some massive debts, had to, uh, yeah, default on some of them. Meant I had to open a new bank account because the last one was just, <laughs> they're like, no. Um, and, yeah, so, frankly, now I'm with a different bank because of financial collapse, uh, my own version of the Greek crisis uh which was a few years later before my own and we could just <laughs> call you Peach royal bank of scotland kennedy yeah rbs kennedy yeah. well that's what you just said yeah but yes added my first name <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah. well on that note um you know if you find robo callers to be uh yep. infuriating take pizza advice was a robot i think it was literally a woman sat there yeah you know, like what's it I, I, I was like why isn't it robo callers <laughs> Although that's a very American phrase to use because Lee's lived in lots of different places, not just the UK. So his vocabulary is a bit strange when we talk about English, talking English, I'd say. But we can talk about that next time. Sure. <laughs> it's pretty infuriating. Sure. Uh, we, can, we can talk about other stuff. Robocalls. Hardcore, hardcore pornography. Um, yeah, so uh, let's do a hardcore pornography special Yeah, next time. <laughs> this is our production meeting Lee keeps trying to wrap up but I'm turning it into production meeting where we'll we'll watch and review <laughs> oh actually I'll tell you what go hang on wait 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 you know sorry. what I, um, you know what I'm disappointed by 
the fact that you added the link to that weird fish porn thing you were talking about last week. Yeah, it didn't but there's no way to track how many people have actually clicked the link. Yeah. Oh, they would have filthy sobs. <laughs> this filthy is this. Uh, I yeah, I can't find it's not here anymore. But there used to be a website. These, but ten more years, ten or so more years before before now. <laughs> Sorry, the drinks kicking in. Um, porn for the blind. And Pete, you could go on there. You could. I'm not saying like, that's not the mission that I did. You could go on there theoretically, and there'd be a link to like an audio file, and someone would be going. So this is a Bang Bros video, <laughs> and there's a lady at the door being let in, and she's quite busty, and they'd be like total monotonous voice like that. They wouldn't try and dress it up. There'd be women as well doing it. It's just like amateurs who would watch a porno and describe what's happening. Why do you know and this? And he's just starting to penetrate her. I'd heard it on radio. This is the thing you got. This is the joy of listening to talk radio. You know, like late night talk radio, just weird shit like this comes up. Um, and uh, yeah, it's amazing. But I've just had a look on Google, uh, putting porn to the blind. <laughs> and there is a Vice article about it, but. People can look that up themselves, I guess. Well, you know, all they have to do is follow your instructions and Google uh, porn for the blind. Yeah, or they might just find blind porn. I think that's probably a different, different yeah, porn. But no, but porn featuring blind people, does it exist? Right in, right in, tweet us, at EDNN Podcast right, 1. Yeah. We didn't uh, do, have you found any we pornography? Did, we didn't do um, uh, the, the usual that, commercial that, 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 stuff <laughs> this time. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, www.buymeacoffee.com slash E-D-N-N podcast. Uh, if for any reason uh, you want to chuck us five, <laughs> ten, fifteen. No, five, five, five. No, fine's five is fine. How much does a cup of coffee um, cost? Well, so you can buy one or three coffees or two. Sorry, one, two, three. Who's the one, third? Two, who's three, the third one, coffee? Two, three. Uh, ooh, well, it should probably get his cut, wouldn't he? It's like he's like, oh, it's got to be you know a thirty-five percent cut. No, I think so. One coffee, the lowest amount you can gift, I suppose. Tip, tip, providing a service mm. um, is five dollars. But I don't know what happens in terms of like what that gets. Yeah, we'll probably lose massively because it's been converted to pounds. Yeah. So <laughs> come out as you know one repart, you know um, banana republic pound mm. as the UK's currency now is. So um, if you want to, if you don't, if you just you're just going to keep taking it for free, you fucking live with that if you can. If you go to bed tonight. Look at your kids, look at your partner, and go, I've just been listening to that podcast for the 20th fucking time, and I'm not throwing them a penny. <laughs> then then Gary Bolton and Leibovitz, who are both people that we, you know, help financially and we support because we're good people like that, you can write to them and tell them, oh, we don't want you to, you know, pay your fucking rent or your electricity. Gary Bolton's one step away from prison again. Probably because Leibovitz is poor legal. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, so, you know, if uh, we, you know, yeah. just to end on a Thatcherite note, there is no such thing as society. So, yeah, there's no such thing as Leibovitz, perhaps. perhaps. Uh, but that's a more that's a more <laughs> philosophical <laughs> question uh, that we can, you know, 
people can we leave that to people's imagination. Uh, we should get Leibovitz on one day if you can uh, do a good voice. <laughs> <laughs> no, if, uh, no we, yeah, we, we're having we'll do, do we'll like a voice modulator thing, you know. No, he's re- he's real, but yeah, we can do it. We'll have a someone will someone will write in. So I'll just I can gift you like fifty quid, but I'd really love Leibovitz to be on in on it. Can you <laughs> have him on? I'd like you to all speak at the same time. And like you say hello, and I'm like hello. They leave it hello. <laughs> uh, this it's weird when we have these conversations sometimes. Um, right. Well, on that note, one hour. That's we, one, hour, one of, hour. That's one yeah, hour. Yeah, exactly. I think that's, it's one hour. So Lee's got to chop and, ch- and sort all this out. And there's some. I was eating blueberries <laughs> at one point. He didn't pick up on that, but he will when he's got to listen to the thing to edit it. It's very, um, very Sussex of you. Um, blueberries while while podcasting. Yeah, blueberries while talking about yeah political economic inequality in twenty first century yeah. Britain. And I'm like squaffing <laughs> blueberries. <laughs> Bloody awful! Let them eat. Let them eat blueberries. Right. Yeah, uh, you can also follow the podcast. That's on a strapline. That EDNN podcast one. I said that, mate. You can send us an email if we've said something offensive. I'll be sure Pete reads that. Was it EDNN? EDNN. Podcast.gmail.com. Podcast. Yeah, please send emails because that's the point of these sorts of things. That's why I loved growing up, listening to talk radio, weird shit like this, and podcasts is people interacting mm. with it. Um, you know, we haven't, we haven't got that many people to interact with it, but mm. we have some, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um, or leave us a review on iTunes. That was the other thing. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how iTunes works. But I don't fucking care to be honest. Yeah, I haven't used it for about twelve years, but uh, I, I, I'm told it mm. still exists. I think it's just Beyonce and you two on there now. I think that's it. You just open it. And it's Beyonce's latest album and uh, Bono Hawkins. Some well, shit putting on your iPhone for no apparent reason. Anyway, yep. say goodbye, Pete. Yeah, that's that's. We're really up to date on tech <laughs> chat there. <laughs> that thing that Bono did fifteen years ago. No, let's do the Bono special next time. Sure. Uh, goodbye. Cheerio. Oh. Ah. Mm. Oh. Bye-bye. I see. <laughs> I don't know.